0: Hey guys, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates for my graduating class of Wisikin High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. This is the start of the new season, guys. We closed out the 100 level two weeks ago with 120 and Holly Fiori. Go and check that out if you haven't done so yet. It was a great interview, it was a fun interview, and I hope I get the chance to follow up with Holly uh, in person again. But in the meantime, Uh, We're doing this new thing. And so that's why we're on the new season. These interviews are all going to be conducted via social distancing. Uh, There's a lot that went into this for me to even be comfortable. A lot of messing around with microphones, which I'm still not there yet. Uh, New equipment. Uh, Where am I going to record so that if I'm doing this on Zoom and I'm going through the trouble of recording video, that it actually looks somewhat good. Um, a YouTube design for the video itself, uh, something I never really intended to do necessarily with this podcast. Um, but here we are, I'm adapting and, uh, trying to go with the times and, uh, I see what other people are doing out there on YouTube. And so, um, I guess I got to get my shit together here. So with that said, uh, you know, all these interviews that'll be coming up, uh, over the next few months, uh, are all work in progress. Things may look different change. Uh, I can tell you for now, I'm redecorating my entire, entire apartment and so uh these videos are going to look uh totally different now than than they might uh, episodes down the line and so uh, just a lot of different things happening graphics all that stuff i'm just trying to figure it all out at once Um, i'll be honest i I made the decision like split second um last month i didn't really want to do this i was hoping that i was going to be able to make it through whatever this quarantine was going to be and then I'd be back to doing in-person interviews before my, my reservoir of interviews ran out and that didn't happen. And so, JP was, as I mentioned in the last episode, was uh, one of the guests that I was supposed to have here in person. And when I canceled, he said, no problem, let me know if you want to do it online. And I waited a while and then eventually realized I had to start doing things in life. And one of those things is doing the show. And so, I started booking guests again and started just connecting on Zoom. And it's not hard. It's pretty easy. Um, I've been doing it with some friends here and there. Uh, some of you might have checked out the happy hour with me and Susie and Briannan, And so, you know, just doing a lot of test runs of, of trying stuff and seeing what works and what looks good. And uh, here we are. So this is the point where I give you all the social media. Uh, we weren't friends in high school is available for subscription everywhere. You listen to podcasts. If you're listening to this right now, nothing's changed. It's the same podcast that it's always been. Um, the interviews are going to sound different because that's just the way of the world with the technology that we're in. I'm trying to make things uniform. Uh, I'm a bit of a control freak with media and production. Uh, but one of the things with this entire situation I'm trying to learn about is not being a control freak and not letting it hold you up. And so let them go. Um, so all that said, you can still subscribe to this podcast audio form, uh, anywhere that you get your podcasts, Google podcasts, Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher wherever. It's there. This show is now available on YouTube, youtube.com slash playa. What is the format of the show on YouTube right now? It's the whole episode. Uh, will it stay that way on YouTube? I'm not sure. Like I said, I am really doing this like episode by episode, beat by beat. And that's youtube.com slash redshirt playa. You can also find the podcast on Instagram at we not friends in high school. And I am at redshirt playa everywhere. That's P-L-A-Y-A. I think that's everything. I'll be honest. um, Doing video this time just makes everything a little bit different for workflow and so I've tried to write everything down of things that I like to do, things I like to say. Um, If I forgot them, I'll try and remember next time. Uh, And so with that said, my guest this week is J.P. Meyer. Uh, J.P. and I, J.P. will say that he doesn't really have any memories of me and I don't really have many memories of him. Um, outside of the fact that we were both in music programs together, uh, he being band and me being in chorus. And so our paths would cross for concerts and, um, as you'll find out, the occasional musical. Um, But JP and I had uh, a really great talk. He's a fun guy. He has his own live streaming show on Facebook that he's been doing. And so um, you can just tell from how natural he is uh, conversating online and on Zoom that he had been at this for a little bit, uh, which made it even better for me to – Ask him to come on and really be my guinea pig, much like Mike Clyburn was in episode 101. And wouldn't you know it, it's another band nerd. So maybe that is a good sign, an omen. Always pick a band nerd for the start of the new season. All right. With that said, uh, enjoy this conversation with J.P. Meyer.
1: Just lost my side screen. Oh, Uh there we go. All right. So how have things been going for you?
0: Wild, man. This is like craziest times ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This has been a trip. It's, um, that's why I had to like get back into this. I was like, okay, I can't, I can't like stall anymore. I have to just like start trying to figure out life like this. You know, I keep, I keep trying to have no expectations for anything. (laughs) And, And so, you know, I just try to stay calm Keep an open mind. But at some point, like I think yesterday or Sunday, I started thinking like, "Oh, okay, I really need to adapt life now. Like life needs to start happening in some sort of a structure, even if it's not the same. I got to start going forward and doing something. Yeah. So here we are.
1: Here we are. <laughs> <How> <laughs> the long you? awaited meet down. Oh, you know, it's, it's crazy. I work in theater now. Everything's shut down. I'm trying to work from home. It's, it's been a nightmare.
0: It's wild, like uh, I've been listening to, yesterday I spent a lot of time on YouTube watching like um, a lot of like Beavis and Butthead documentary yes. and Tom Green interviews, yeah. like recent Tom Green interviews uh-huh. and it just took me back to a time and Tom Green talked about this where like, you know, he, keep, he kept mentioning like, you know, this is pre-internet and, and this is pre-cell phone and you know, I was calling from the payphone and calling my, my voicemail. Could you imagine going through this time Oh God! When we grew up, <laughs> no. What would we
1: do? I have no idea. <laughs> I have not the first idea.
0: Uh, like be miserable, clean. I, I can't even. I can't even imagine. Um, well, I mean, let's maybe we'll we'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, what what sure. you did, but uh, I don't know. I guess the official JP. Welcome to the official Zoom. Yeah, <laughs> the first Zoom. We weren't friends in high school.
1: The first Zoom. <laughs>
0: uh so wild uh so we were actually supposed to uh do this interview a, co- a like three weeks ago yeah uh in person you were going to come down into the city and uh on a sunday great i love like morning podcasts yeah. and so like i was really excited to do like a nice sunday morning with you and uh this all kind of hit at the exact same time so um thanks for accommodating but as i see you're already kind of into Doing some oh, video podcasting. Oh,
1: I'm I'm doing it. You know, it was funny. I I got so bored the one night. I just because uh, I've been seeing everyone go live. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I wonder what happens if I go live. Who would even look at that? And I was just I'm. I told my girlfriend I'm just going to stare at the screen and see what happens. And people started talking. We hung out for like an hour. And I was like, Wow, this is really cool. And then people started messaging me. Hey, I'd love to talk to you. Let's talk. So now I'm booked up through Saturday. Now. That's like, awesome. Yeah, I have people messaging me want to talk about all random stuff, so it's great.
0: I uh, I stopped in yesterday for a quick second and saw and saw some of your clip. You were talking to like just some uh, some lady, and so what's the nature of of like these live broadcasts?
1: It's pretty much anything. I you know my girlfriend works at Dunkin' Donuts. She got laid off from her regular job. She was a server at a, a restaurant slash bowling alley slash type thing. Yeah, and uh, she just you know didn't the unemployment thing isn't panning out for everybody so she just went back to Dunkin Donuts and they took her so she's doing that during the day now um, and so i i'm just ta- i'm just talking about whatever and i'm having friends come on last night was Nikki she's a friend from college we were talking about teaching and music ed yeah what's like and i've had music other music directors on i have an actor on tonight that i've worked with in the past it's wow. it's a ton of fun
0: yeah that's interesting. So you are, um, I know you've always been into music. Yeah. And um, I remember you in band. Uh, mm-hmm. And I kind of always, I guess, remembered you being around, probably I guess from middle school, but where did, you, where did you start with like school in Wizzahickon? Shady Grove, the whole way. Okay, okay. So I then, I guess I knew you in fourth grade. Who yeah. Did you ha- who did you, uh, who did you oh, have in fourth grade? Fourth grade was um, Mr. Brownstein. Wow. I forgot all about him. Yeah. yeah. Of all the teachers I remember, he's the one I probably forget.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mr. Brownstein, funny story with him. He actually sent me out of the room because I farted when he was reading a book.
0: (laughs) So there you go. Um, the things that stick with you. I have so many questions about that. Um, (laughs) in my head that I feel like that would stick with you. Like as the kid, like, did you ever hear stories about like just random, like rumors about I heard that kid pooped his pants. Oh like yeah, he, like so. Does, does something like that stick with you when you fart in class?
1: <laughs> no, I think it was a thing of the day. I mean, we were all in fourth grade. If anyone remembered it, they just snickered about
0: it behind my back. Which, oh, God. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so fourth grade, Mr. Brownstein. Who would you have in fifth grade? Mrs. Rogers. Mrs. Rogers. Okay.
1: Yeah, she was amazing. She was. She had the uh, the parrot and the cockatoo, or yeah, the African gray parrot and the cockatoo that she would bring into class. Yeah,
0: Yeah was, uh, I do remember long brown hair, right? Yeah, mm mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, How did you like Shady Grove in general as a school? We haven't really heard too many people, I don't think, from Shady Grove. A lot of people have been from Bluebell.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like Shady Grove a lot. Um, You know, I have, like, images. I have a really crap memory from my childhood. Like, I just have images and little snippets of things. I don't remember, like, full sections. Um, it's funny. I actually, a couple of years ago, I found all the class pictures that we took from kindergarten through five. My mom gave them to me and I put them up on Facebook and people were tagging themselves. It was a grand old time.
0: What, um, what did you kind of do as a kid? What were you in? Like, I was kind of, I guess, getting into wrestling, but I did boys or Cub scouts and I did baseball and, mm-hmm. and basketball as a kid. What were you, what were you into? Oh, uh, I did baseball uh,
1: up through middle school. I think I dropped out once I started getting more into the music and the band stuff. Mm -hmm. Band's always been a thing. Dr. Madden and Shady Grove, he got me into band right away in fourth grade and it, it
0: stuck all the way through. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Did you, uh, did you have friends from Wizzahickon that you would hang out with? Uh, what was your like social life like as a, as a kid before getting into middle school? (laughs) Uh,
1: I mean, there was neighborhood kids and, and, you know, friends, I'm sure I, I was always kind of a loner, frankly, you know, I had, I had a couple of good friends. I was one of those kids that was friendly with everybody, but
0: friends with very few. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I'm glad you said that. That's, um, I think you're probably one of the first people to like, kind of state it that way, because I think a lot of people consider themselves friends. And if you've listened to the podcast, I talk a lot about like friends versus acquaintances, and, um, I even challenged, I think Alicia in, in asking her like about Scott Jordan. Like, yeah. you know, she's like, Oh, I was friends with everyone. It's like, but you weren't, you know, what is friends exactly? Right. And I love Alicia and, Alicia and I I friends now, but you're the first person to actually say it like that friendly, yeah. but not friends. Yeah. I think, uh, probably when I was that young, it was more
1: the kids that were in the neighborhood because we could just, you know, bike to each other's houses and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, let's see, Andrew Leinbach, he was in the neighborhood. Uh, who else? I think Eric Nelson. Mm-hmm. One of those guys, but I, I never really hung out with him. Uh, <laughs> the Dre were down the street a little bit, but they were different years and mm-hmm. across the street was Ryan Eberwine, but he was a couple year a year or two younger than us. Okay. But I don't think yeah. I know that
0: name. Yeah. Uh, so that's interesting then. So what do you see? But you don't know exactly like you did baseball, but what did you do when like in your free time? Like, I did mean, you were into TV or, Um, I read a lot. I, I, I was always a big reader.
1: Um, and I was outside a lot too, riding bike, uh, just going around. Uh, my mom was really good about taking us places. Me and my much older brother. I also, I have a, an older brother who is, uh, 15 years older than me. And he actually used to work for Wissahickon when I was going through. So I couldn't act up because the teachers knew that he was my brother And would talk to him and then I'd come home. He's like, now I'm going to have to tell mom because, you know, Mrs. Peckman said that you weren't doing your science homework or whatever it was. And it'd scare me straight.
0: Wow. Older brother, 15 years. That's, uh, so that's, what was that like? I don't think, uh, it was amazing. It was amazing because when I was like,
1: you know, five, six, he was already in his twenties. So he would take me to like Six Flags Great Adventure, just me and him He'd take me into work when he was working during the summer. It was great. It was really great. We have a great relationship
0: how uh, How old were your parents? if you don't mind
1: me asking. Uh, when I was born, dad was 45 and mom was 40. Okay um, now he he has a different father, okay. so mom married another guy and they had you know Mike, and then she got a divorce and then married my father a little bit later, and then it took him a few years till I came along.
0: okay. Okay. Yeah. I feel like that was about, uh, my mom was 30. So my dad was 41, Mm -hmm. uh, when I was born, what was that? I don't know for me. Um, especially like the age we're talking about right now, like eight, nine, 10. Uh, I remember like, I don't know, maybe it was like, I was 11, I guess. And my dad's 50th birthday. And I just remember thinking like that my dad was so much older than other kids' parents. I feel like a lot of people that we went to school with their, their parents were like 20 when they had them. Mm -hmm. So their parents were like, you know, 30 when we were 10. Right. Was that, you ever?
1: Uh, It was a little weird, I guess. I mean, going out with my parents, like everyone would think my dad was my granddad. You know, it was kind of the thing. But I, you know, I didn't let it bother me. The one thing that always uh, was interesting for me growing up, um, all my cousins were like my brother's age. So I was a little kid that was always surrounded in family by you know kids that were 15 16 years older than me mm. um so it made me grow up a little bit i think yeah. like i didn't act like a kid when i was a kid because to be to fit in with everyone i had to kind of act up to their age
0: hmm. okay um i think i always think i skewed older um i always felt like i got along way better even at you know 13 14 15 um with like my grandfather who would hang yeah. out while he was drinking you know Vodka <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and like, you know, holding court with like other, his other 60 year old friends. And, yeah. and I always felt like that was way more my, my bracket than sometimes people that we went to school with. So yeah, for sure. Uh, I wonder if that has to do with having like an older father or, or I mean, for you, you know, just having everyone older for you, but yeah, I guess for me, um, I didn't have a lot of friends. You mentioned you didn't really have like friends so yeah. much. So for me, I had like, you know, four or five. Um, yeah. And then after that, it was the people I was closest to was family.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, once I got into middle school and high school, I, it started being like uh, Clyburn. Mike Clyburn and I were, were partners in crime. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, pretty much all the way through high school and Steve DeSantis and the Gregors and all that stuff. Was that based on music primarily? Oh yeah, that was that was band. Once we got into high school and the band thing started going, and especially with marching band, then those people—that was who we
0: hung out with pretty much. Um, when that starts up, so that sixth grade, you start getting into music, mm-hmm. um, and that was Doctor or that was Doctor Madden. You said Doctor Doctor Madden was fourth grade. He was uh, Doctor Kane, right? Yeah, Mr. Kane. Yeah, Mr. Kane in middle school uh, with the ponytail.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far
0: as I know, he's still got the ponytail too. Wow. Wow. Uh, what did you play? Trombone. Trombone. Okay. Yeah. So what kind of things start happening then for, I mean, for band, Mike talked a lot about, um, it sort of clicked for him as far as this mm-hmm. is something that music was something that he felt was always going to be a part of his life as far as like creating music. Is that, yeah. is that when it clicked for you? Um, Music was always gonna be part of my life. I had been taking piano lessons
1: since I was five or six years old and I was playing piano for people and you know, in every kind of band and ensemble, stuff like that. Uh, My, not my parents so much, but my grandparents' generation, there were a lot of musicians in the family. Mm -hmm. So it it was just kind of a natural thing for me. Uh, It didn't really click click that it was gonna be the thing that I did until junior, junior year in high school. I got sent over to the middle school to help Mr. Kane like with band and just helping kids out. And I was like, this, oh. this is what I'm going to do. And oh, I spent senior cool. year going to auditions and getting myself
0: into music school. Wow. So when you're doing it just in middle school, it's just like, um, it's your activity, the way that someone might play like basketball, but yeah. doesn't, doesn't think about doing it in college for a scholarship or right. anything like that. That's yeah. Interesting. For sure. Um, so you get to middle school, uh, what is that like as far as integrating with everybody? Um, now it's all the middle schools to, or all the elementary schools together. Right. Um, you have your, your meeting like kind of, I guess, band friends, but for you in general, what is, what's that like making that transition to such a bigger body?
1: Uh, it, for me, I don't remember it being too brutal. Um, I mean, middle school was pretty crap for everybody. Uh, you know, you get picked on by some people and you hang out with your clique or whatever. Um, I I always tried to just be friendly with as many people as possible and fly under the radar. Yeah. Um, definitely wasn't a popular kid. So I kind of got left alone and stuck to myself, which is how I kind of liked it. Yeah. Um, and also, I was it sixth grade into seventh grade or seventh grade into eighth grade? One of those two rounds of years, we stayed together with the same groups of teachers. Oh, really? Um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember. Was that 6th and the 7th or 7th and the 8th? It must have been 7th and 8th. Is
0: you had remember, the same teacher? Yeah,
1: yeah. We had Mr. McCoy for social studies. Uh, Mr. Comer was English. But he, he had some kind of medical thing and we had some sub that came in one of those years that was just a nightmare and they made her cry a lot.
0: That had uh, to be 7, 8. Because 7 yeah. and 8 were was upstairs and 6 was the only one way. It was like kind of like. Yeah, it was 7 like, and 8. Separate and. I, and Mr. Um, Patterson was our math teacher, I think. Wow! So I, you must have been. Uh, were you in like the smaller pod? Like, yeah. I, I knew there was always like a smaller pod, like seven, like seven C. I think was like a smaller pod, kind of in the back of the school, and oh, like forty kids and. ABC. I forget which. I. I don't know. I think I was seven B and eight A and six C and i yeah. had different teachers the whole way so that surprised me when you say that yeah i don't
1: cuz i think they were tracking you based on on your reading level and stuff like that <laughs> really i i mean being since i spent time as a teacher i that's the only thing i can assume is that you were tracked based on based on your math and reading level so i guess i was just in the same
0: level the whole time would you have considered yourself academic
1: uh yeah 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 I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't like some brilliant brainiac person, but I was, I was always on the higher edge of things, I guess. And I think that just comes from, you know, my parents were always into having me read and exposing me to a lot of different stuff. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, Do you think that you had, um, do you think you had like a um, stereotype uh, when you were kind of growing up? Oh, I was,
1: oh, I was a nerd. (laughs) Oh. There's there's no doubt. I mean, I got told about it every day. I okay. mean, you don't need to Um, yeah, I was definitely the nerd I mean, I weighed maybe 70, 85 pounds the whole way through elementary school. I was the easy target. You know, quiet, contained,
0: just you know. Yeah. Um But you were you were it was never too bad for you. It was always
1: no, nah, there were a couple stupid middle school y type things. Um I was trying to think of of people's names. I forget his name now, but there was this huge kid in my seventh and eighth grade classes. I forget his name, but the one day it was my birthday, and I tried my hardest not to let anyone know because, you know, birthday punches were the big thing. Oh, my God, yes. Do you remember that?
0: <laughs> you never wanted to tell anyone it was your birthday because people you weren't even friends with would, would come, come and punch you in the arm.
1: Right. Well, he, he was huge. I mean, he was like five times my size, a football player, I'm sure. Um, And he said to me, uh, you can either get one very big punch or all of the normal punches. And I (laughs) I thought about it for a second. I said, I'll just take the one big punch. And he just drew back and hit me right in the arm. He sent me clear across the room. Wow. And I had a bruise on my arm that I had to hide from my parents for like a week.
0: (laughs) Isn't that funny? You had to hide it. Oh, yeah. Were you you afraid of like confrontation if they found out and... Yeah, I just didn't
1: it. I just didn't want them involved in all that kind of nonsense. Yeah. You know, if you're a middle school kid, you want to handle your own thing and, and not make it a
0: big deal. Uh, so your your reaction to stuff like that was just kind of like accept it, walk away, and just try to avoid it as much as possible. Pretty much, yeah. God, I wish I could have learned I was yeah. so much more confrontational than you <laughs> were.
1: I I mean I got into a couple I got in a fight with RJ Smythe. I remember that in the little atrium outside the gym. Same. Yeah. <laughs> that was the place to fight.
0: No, I mean, um, with, just with RJ, I did it. In, oh, I did it in the bathroom, but yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and that was stupid because we were friends. I think, you know, someone just said something stupid and then all the kids got involved and started pushing us to fight mm. and we got a couple punches landed on each other. And then it broke up because teachers were coming or whatever. And we ran out to the buses. It must've been right at the end of the school day.
0: Yeah. Now that you mentioned middle school was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well i taught middle school for six years i know it's horrible yeah i'm just thinking back I mean, eighth grade was like more pleasant for me um no. but in general i did not like it. i did not like middle school at all no um so then when you go to you go to high school mm-hmm. um what is that transition like a little bit bigger a little bit more expectation i guess
1: yeah um ninth grade was hard because my mom had just gone through hip surgery and that threw me for a loop. That was actually carryover over for middle school. Hmm. Um, but overall it was fine. I, I mean, the friends I had in middle school and band came over to the high school band. Um, and ninth grade, I was actually kind of left out a little bit because I didn't do marching band ninth grade. Okay. Uh, cause it was elective and I just didn't want to do it. So I kind of had a, like kind of weird sanctuary year where I wasn't really friends with anybody and didn't really do much of anything. Hmm. And then I got into marching band in 10th grade finally. And from there on, it was that, you know, that group. Yeah. Um,
0: why didn't you do it in 9th grade?
1: I have no idea. <laughs> I, I just got it in my head that I didn't want to do it hmm. for whatever reason. And That's my so mom- interesting. My brother tried to talk me into it. My mom, Mr. Kane was livid. Mr. Hood was, lit. he was always every day because I was in regular band class and I just, I didn't want to have anything to do with it.
0: That's interesting. Um, No push from your friends or? Yeah,
1: I mean, it was weird. I don't, I missed something. I missed a memo at the end of eighth grade or something and just, I went off by myself and I think what might've happened, I think eighth grade, The summer between 8th grade and ninth grade is the year my parents sent me to Germany for a month. So, I was over there living with relatives for a month and I came back and was like a different kind of world almost Mm. because it was like all of a sudden high school. So that might have had something to do with it because I kind of was away from everybody and we didn't have, you know, AOL or instant messenger or email or cell phones or anything. So
0: I just didn't talk to anybody for a month except my German relatives that's so wild. Just the times that, that we used to live in. Um, yeah, I can't even imagine just not having that connection and then you come back and you have no idea. Um, did you, I don't know, did you feel that passion with anything else? Did you discover nothing? No. Um, it was always music for me in the background. It
1: wasn't like a passion where I thought I was going to go out and do something with it, you know? Um, that didn't hit till later in high school. But it was always just the thing I did.
0: Yeah. Plus, you were already in band anyway, so you're still yeah. doing the concerts and mm-hmm. and um, did you did you play in the pit for musicals? I did. Um,
1: I played in the orchestra for Mame, which I think Mike was talking about on your show. Mm-hmm. By the way, the guy that played with us, the, yeah. the high school teacher, was uh, Mr.
0: Payne, Earl Payne. Mr. Payne. He's come up a few times now. Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. Um, and then there was what I played two shows.
1: I forget the other one. Godspell. I, no, it wasn't Godspell. No trombone and Godspell. You're a good. That's so crazy. You know that. <laughs> that's that's what I do now.
0: Um, You're a good man, Charlie Brown. No, that was our ninth grade year. I think that was tenth. Was that tenth grade? Yeah. Maybe ninth, that's... ninth was Godspell. Tenth was your good man, Charlie Brown. Eleventh grade was Mame. Twelfth grade was My Fair Lady. You know that I
1: only played one. I really? only played. I only played in Maine because the other two didn't have trombone. Wow! And I was on stage for My Fair Lady,
0: like actually in. I was in the show. In the yeah. Show. Wow, that's crazy. That's the year I dropped out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I remember you talking about that with Mike.
0: That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was a. Uh, did you like it? Uh, yeah, it was interesting.
1: My Fair Lady was one of the first shows I ever been exposed to my mom had taken me to see it at like bucks county playhouse or something like that yeah (laughs) and the movie the movie is great uh so i decided i'd go out for it and it it came down to me and Kyle piece for the lead and you know they had us going back and forth and back and forth singing the lead song and finally they sent us to separate rooms and uh, uh what was her name the director reckner reckner she she went and talked to him i'm like well he's 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 going to be Henry Higgins. And then the the English guy, the, the acting coach and dramatist guy, yeah. he came and talked to me and he said, you're going to be Henry or not Henry Higgins. You're going to be a uh, Colonel Pickering. Okay. So I got to sit in an easy chair and read last of the Mohicans and drink port wine the whole time.
0: Um, it was similar for me. I went back and forth with Vern uh, oh, yeah. for whatever, like the friend role was. Yeah, um, and Vern got the got the role, and then mm-hmm. I dropped out shortly after. Because <laughs> 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 to to be continued on the Vern podcast. <laughs>
1: uh Vern, he w- in Maine.
0: Vern was the kid, right? Her son, something. Like Auntie yeah. means son. Um, I've never. Uh, oh, in Maine. Yeah. Um, May, in Maine or in My Fair Lady? In My Fair Lady, he was Freddie Eynsford Hill. He was okay. the love interest. Yeah. So that's who I, that's who I uh, auditioned for with him. Ah, okay. And it was the same exact thing, back and forth, back and forth. And it was like, till like seven o'clock at night. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, sing every song, you know, it's like thing. Yeah. Um. Okay. 11th grade was Mame. Uh, I don't remember the roles too much, but I, I would bet that Vern did have that part. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was him. Uh, I didn't like, I was, I gotta be honest, man. I was so disappointed in my musical experience just Mm -hmm. by the selection. Yeah. Um, I'm very like, I haven't talked about too much, but like, you know, I was very into music, uh, and chorus. And Mm -hmm. I was that guy that was like in select chorus and I was acting as a kid. And so I was very into doing the musicals and I, I was in the musicals in middle school all three years and then got to high school and was like big, small fish, big pond type of thing. Mm -hmm. And I loved Godspell. I loved being a part of that. And I was loud. So I, I always had a role on stage because if nothing else, um, Mrs. Reckner could, could count on me to be the loudest person. Yeah. Um, but then they did You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And that small ensemble cast will kill you. Yeah. And it's like, it was, you know, they included, you know, an extra 20 people to be in the chorus. And I was in mm-hmm. that. Uh, but it's like, I had, I had zero interest in in like a Charlie Brown musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mame was like I didn't get it. It was like this <laughs> southern it seemed like we were doing like a musical about slavery. I'll be honest, <laughs> I remember um I think Jill Cabinoff was um yeah. his name. Yeah, and I remember, swear to god, I remember this conversation where she I said something like um uh and what part are you? And she's like I I'm, I'm Mame. And I go what what is like this and like what is the role like exactly? And she goes you don't know. <laughs> we're like 4 months in. <laughs> This is April. <laughs> and she's like, you don't know? And I go, I just know my part. <laughs> she was like, she was so offended. But I, I felt like we were doing a musical about slavery. I was so like, it's all about whistling Dixie. And <laughs> yeah. and, and mint, to this day, whenever I hear the, the term mint julep, I think yeah. of yeah. Um. And so by the time we got to My Fair Lady, I remember we wanted to do Greece, And we had enough guys. I remember Mrs. Reckner had always kind of dangled this carrot and said, if enough guys are here by the senior year, we will do Greece. Mm-hmm. And so it's me, it's Kyle Speece, it's Vern, it's yeah. Mike Mickles, I think was trying to do it. And, mm-hmm. and, um, and we're like all sitting there hoping we're going to be doing Greece. And she goes, my fair, my fair lady. lady. And I'm like uh, another like 1950s old timey, no offense, but just like tons of white people. Like yeah. thing. I would have rather, you know, done a retread of West Side Story or some shit like that, you know?
1: Yeah, well, they did West Side
0: Story when we were in middle school. When we were in sixth grade, that's what yeah. got me so hooked. I was like... That was an amazing show. I was enamored. I think that might have been the first time I ever saw West Side Story. And since then, yeah, I've, got yeah. a, I've got a West Side Story, like, collector's edition DVD set that's, like, precious to me because I remember that show and, like, I fell in love with Maria on stage mm-hmm. and, like, I just thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Um, and that really sunk me into it, believing in the whole school musical system. I wanted to achieve what I saw on stage. Yeah. The only time I ever felt we got there was Godspell for me personally. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. That makes total sense. I, uh, I always, my mom,
1: <laughs> when I was taking piano lessons, I remember one night I was playing piano and my mom and dad come downstairs all dressed up and I'm like, where are you guys going? Oh, we're going to see fan of the opera. What? Like, I didn't even, wasn't even asked. They just yeah. went. And I was so downtrodden about it because I had, my uh, piano teacher had given me, like, the, the excerpts to play. Hmm. <laughs> and then the next day, my mom comes up to me and she says, well, get dressed. We're going to the theater. She went and bought me tickets to take me to the matinee. And that was it. From From then on, uh, she was getting me season tickets to various these uh, theaters and stuff like that. So musicals cool. was always a thing I was going to do. yeah. Um, it's interesting now that I'm a resident music director for a theater because I, I would never have guessed that that was
0: like a thing you could do like for a living. So me either. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. I remember my mom used to take me to the Valley Forge music center. Mm -hmm. It was like a round, it was like a music round and they would do like, um, like a lot of grim fairy tale style, like snow white and, and sleeping beauty and all those. And used to go like every, I think it was like maybe once a month, um, me and ray campion our moms would take us uh together and i remember like like the little bite-sized snickers bars like that is like just pure nostalgia but man i remember peter pan when peter pan came out on like pbs with um mm-hmm. uh who was the uh, mary mary martin yeah mary martin and i remember i had that on vhs used to watch that with the commercials like used to watch that all day long into yeah. the woods Oh um, God, yeah. Maybe my favorite and the Bernadette Peters when that aired on on PBS, uh, yeah. I had that on tape and I would watch that nonstop. Yeah, uh, mine just, was Les Mis. That 10th anniversary course. concert of Les Mis that came out with Colm Wilkinson. Oh, So I'm not as familiar with Les Mis, but that kind of brought me to the point I was going to make very long. But the point I was going to make that, I remember going to see Les Mis after we graduated with Mr. Conahan and being mm-hmm. so envious that we didn't get his influence in musicals while we were there. He had just yeah. kind of come in at the end of our of our run in high school. But yeah, I really had wished I had gotten to do something more because as I, I've mentioned before, I dropped out and and didn't go back to theater when the whole time I kind of thought I was going to college for theater. I thought oh, wow, if, really yeah, when I thought if I was going to college, I was going to be doing theater acting because I was a childhood actor. I was like mm-hmm. I used to audition and and never got past like a a commercial. Um, That's about the biggest gig I got, but I used to go on auditions and that's what I thought I was gearing to do. And when I dropped out, I joined TV Lab. Nice, yeah. I fell in love with video. And that's when it all changed. I started doing video and radio, but my entire, probably from the time I was 10 till I was 18, thought I had to do theater to get into, you know, screen acting, stage acting, whatever I was gonna do. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to be an actor. Nice. Yeah. So I never knew that. I only I knew
1: you as a singer. I knew you were in chorus and all that stuff, but I never knew you were the acting guy.
0: I I was the lead in all the musicals in middle school. I never got to. I never really got the opportunity to do anything in high school because we never had those type of shows. Yeah. Shows, yeah. They were these, you know, kind of offbeat type of shows, um, and so yeah, middle school. I I was Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> <laughs> And, See, I, don't, um, I have no memory of the middle school musicals at all. Yeah, it was, uh, I was, so I was a biracial Daddy Warbucks and my hair <laughs> was like this probably times two. And I even had it in the front, like, and I had like a tail and like, try to get a bald wig <laughs> over this. And back then in like 1990, you know, or they didn't do like brown bald wigs right so you know it's this pink ball wig that like we're trying to put color on so that i don't look like you know, all <laughs> with like a pink head and and uh, it's like ripping over my over my you know my fro hair and like we're trying to tape it together because we only have like three and i gotta do two shows and it was like it was ridiculous so i did that and then we did like some mock-up uh sh- take on another show um and I, where I played like some juvenile uh, in seventh grade. It was called like another part of me, uh, which was like based off of something called the me, nobody knows. Huh? Something like that. Uh, I think it was like a, an adapted screenplay of some sort. I'm not sure. And then in eighth grade, we did dream girls. Oh, wow. And I played James early. Nice. Just did the whole strip tease and everything. <laughs> I'm sorry. I missed it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was hot. I might have to break out the VHS tape. Oh, you still have a VHS of that? I do. And in fact, I was actually just, uh, I got a, a message from the Watson Bays with a link. It was uh, to me and Ashley and Angela Chapman, mm. um, I guess, because the three of us did a lot with them, uh, with a Google link uh, from, with, of like everything. So I think on there is like the Dream Girl soundtrack, which features young Michael Clyburn Taking the place of whoever had that role before. Yeah. He's, he's redoing the soundtrack when we like all the- <laughs> They recorded overdubbed it. it. Yeah, they, ab- they absolutely overdubbed <laughs> it. That was the most intensive one that we had ever done. Um, I remember like we Amanda Christian, I think, blew her voice out. Oh wow. Uh like playing Effie. Yeah. And so we did like all this overdubbing, and I think they put I think they mixed it into the VHS tape release. Like <laughs> amazing yeah so i'm gonna have to like look through that stuff and maybe upload some will <laughs> yeah. tell me yeah. Mike will hate it oh you got to do yeah. it now mm. so um when you were in high school did you you're in band um yep. did you work did you have like a job or anything
1: uh i worked at staples oh. for a couple of years um a
0: fellow retail brother
1: yeah retail Retail. oh the devil's industry um <laughs> No, Staples was all right. Um, <laughs> it uh, it was one of those things where I wanted a car, and my parents helped me out and got me a car. But we got it home, and my mom's like, "So, uh, you know, how are you going to pay for gas?" I'm like, uh, "Gonna ask you for money for gas." She's like, "Oh no, no. How about the insurance?" I'm like, uh, "Gonna don't you do the insurance?" "Oh, oh no." So they were like, "Well, I guess you're gonna have to go get a job." So I, I tried Barnes and Noble in the mall.
0: Oh yeah, and Montgomery Mall?
1: Yeah, that didn't work out. And then on the way home, I just stopped by Staples and they hired me on spot.
0: And the one, I actually- The one on 309? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow, I remember that one, that one was big. Yeah,
1: it was fun. And I ended up, I matriculated, like I was just basic stock, you know, just random associate. And then I actually got into the copy center and I started working my way up the ranks.
0: And, at the uh, copy center. Yeah. At the that's copy like center. the, that's like the barricaded area, right? Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Scanning a whole bunch of legal documents that I had no business reading, but you know what? It was fun.
0: Um, so you do, so you work then you do band, uh, life in general, what is going on? Anything that's, you know, sparking your interest. You're not in, you said it didn't take until like 11th grade, I think for you yeah. to like really be in a band. So, um, as that's going on, your friends are in band though. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are you, what are you doing? What are you, what kind of kid are you? Uh, you know, I was, I was reading a lot. I
1: thought I was going to go into school for either history or archeology span or something like that. Uh, just because I was a bookworm type and I was really into Indiana mm-hmm. Jones. Like I thought that's what archeology span was going to be. Um, but, uh, you know, dangerous. I was, <laughs> yeah. I wanted to get a whip and a leather jacket so bad. And now you say that it sounds really dark. Is that your favorite um, movie? I think growing up probably. That's cool. Um, I mean, th- those, yeah. I I had a really kind of weird sense of movies because my brother introduced me to all the 80s type stuff. So I grew up on like the Mel Brooks like space balls and, and Robin hood men in tights and all that Mm -hmm. kind of like goofy humor type stuff. So
0: that's funny. So uh, you liked reading history Mm -hmm. was history. Like a, do you have a favorite class? Was it history?
1: Uh, my favorite class outside of band. Yeah. was probably history. And I remember. Okay. No, Uh, no, just in general. I took AP history. I was at Mrs. McLaughlin, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, I really enjoyed that. Any specific type of history that piqued your interest? Uh, I've always loved, and I still do to this day, early American history. So
0: like, you know, founding through the Revolutionary up to the Civil War. Wow. I always wish, um, and God, I've got the time now. I wish I could like remember that stuff or I wish I comprehended it better when I was younger. Mm -hmm. I had such a hard time just getting that stuff, you know? Um, and. I don't know, I I feel like I understand things so much better now, Um, especially with everything that's going on, Uh, I just, you know, history repeats itself, blah, blah, blah. I just wish I was better informed about our country's history, especially. Um, I know the, you know, I know the the strong bullet points, but dates, treaties, um, bills, you know, especially even as you get into more modern history, with stuff with Roosevelt, which I think is probably going to be really important now. Yeah. I wish I was a little bit more brushed up on that stuff. How, how did you, I don't know, is it just because you're into, you were into reading, it was just easy to retain for you? Yeah,
1: um, I always preferred nonfiction for whatever reason uh, over fiction. Like I never got into like sci-fi or, or comics or anything like that. So I was always reading just biographies. And I remember the one Christmas, I got a, a biography of John Adams And, you know, I just, I sunk my teeth into that, you know, and I was reading those kind of books always.
0: So, uh, I was going to ask you earlier when you said you like to read, like I was, what did you like to read? I was like, expecting like a Maniac McGee or something like that, or maybe Lord of the Flies, but, uh, but nonfiction at that young. Nonfiction. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I read the,
1: the Maniac McGee's and Lord of the Flies and Treasure Islands and all that kind of stuff too. But
0: I, uh, I don't know. For whatever reason, it just, the the, the nonfiction stuff stuck. I get it. I get it. I like, that's me now. Um, I enjoy, you know, nonfiction when I read. uh, It's more of a trend that'll go for like a six month span and then done for two years. But, um, yeah, I enjoy more historical stuff, biographical, uh, a lot of times if I can. Um, I think when I was, you know, that age, I was much more into like, I was trying to find comedy books, you know, Chris. Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld and Tim Allen, like that stuff was was George Carlin's brain droppings. Yes. A constant on the bookshelf. Were you a comedy fan at all? Oh, I love comedy. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love comedy. Growing up, were you into, because I feel like when we were growing up, like HBO comedy kind of exploded again. I guess, like, you know, the Whoopi Goldberg, Billy Crystal, Carlin era of the 80s. But when we were growing up, like, I remember like a Damon Wayans and Eddie Griffin and, and mm-hmm. uh, 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 Richard Jenning and, and just all these big comedians were starting to come out on HBO again. It was like every month there was someone huge. Who were you? Yeah. Uh, mine were always like Robin Williams was a big
1: one when he did his big HBO comedy special. That was mm-hmm. a huge deal. I made the drastic mistake of watching that with my parents. I talked it up to my mom and dad. They're like, oh, we love Robin Williams because they're thinking like, you know, the movie Jack. <laughs> or something <laughs> and it was completely inappropriate yeah <laughs> from from the first from the first moment he walks on stage it was inappropriate um george carlin was a favorite uh let's see weird al i loved weird al stuff that was again my brother's doing all that kind of goofy music type stuff that mm-hmm. was that was all my brother introducing
0: me to that i have this uh i have this thing i like to say about weird al um, that Weird Al and Green Day are like anomalies in the music industry. Mm-hmm. They, as far as like I know, that I can think of, I'm sure many more people have some examples. Shout them out if you think of them. But like to exist in so many different decades, different generations that they were in our parents' you know, generation, uh, they were in our generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they came out with like last guys finished, uh, nice guys finished last and an American idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to, to modern day where they just had the, they just did a musical and all that. Like they've managed to exist for like, damn near four decades in into four decades, which other than weird out, like those are the two people, you know, when you think about the early 80s stuff. And then when we were growing up, with like the red hot chili peppers. Yeah. And Nirvana. Oh, and- <laughs> You're bringing back bad memories of me trying to be cool in middle school. I and think that's Amish paradise. Yeah. Amish paradise was huge. I remember, we- I remember, uh, yeah, I remember Amish paradise and, um, bad hair day. Hey, that yeah. whole album is like one of the first CDs I ever had. Eat it, eat it. <laughs> um, and so like, you know, it's just a crazy, you know, until, Today, I guess, I, I, I heard something about like him and Michael Jackson. He doesn't want to do Michael Jackson songs anymore. And my first thought was like, my God, he's still performing. <laughs> like yeah. You know, and, and every once in a while, you hear about some popular song that he's taken and, and redone. And I think, wow, he's done it again. I don't even know if there's still albums or if he's just doing singles. But, man, just a sustaining artist Yeah, Weird Al Yankovic. So that's well, funny you mentioned him. He's, he's a brilliant mind. I mean, you got
1: to give him that. Mm. Uh, funny story. So this is, this is the moment that absolved me of pop music. And I stopped trying to be on top of popular music. Was middle school, I remember all the guys in like gym in the locker room would be going on and on about Green Day, Green Day, Green Day, Green Day, Green Day, Green Day, Green Day. all the time Green Day. And I, I, you know, I grew up in a house and my mom liked to listen to country music and my brother was listening to 80s and, you know, there was classical music with the piano. So I was never really exposed to pop music except for like the bus and what kids were talking yeah. about. So I, I knew like Green Day songs, but I didn't have the album. So I finally, finally saved up some money and, you know, talked my mom into taking me out to Barnes and Noble or whatever. And I got the Green Day album and I brought it back home and I listened to it all weekend. And I went in the next week and we had Jim. I'm like, Oh, it's the Green Day is awesome. And everybody around me just stopped in and went, Green Day sucks. I don't know what happened over that weekend, but it became uncool to talk about green day. And again, I didn't get the memo. And I just, I remember going home and just throwing up my hands and be like, that's it. I'm done caring about pop music. Cause by the time I figure it out, it's going to be dead
0: stupid. That's so funny. Um, I remember like my hip hop's always kind of been my primary since, you know, middle school, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but growing up, it was, I guess just whatever your parents listened to. But I remember it was hard for me. Like it was a very slow, gradual um, entry into hip hop, into actual hip hop music. My experience mm-hmm. of hip hop until I was probably thirteen was like just what's on the radio. I, the idea of, and I remember when Ray got um, like older, old dirty bastard yeah. tape taped, uh, tape cassette yeah. uh, for like his birthday at Christmas, and that was like oh my god! Like we used to hear kid, we used to hear kids driving by the bus stop. Uh, listening to rap music with curses and we're thinking how can you get there must be some special radio. it's funny now uh modern day but we used to think there must be some special radio station where you can hear like uncensored music right we were thinking of of Sirius back in back in 1992 we just didn't patent it didn't patent it so um you know the idea of like actually you know nas and nas didn't get like a lot of airplay on the radio Right, Philadelphia, and so Nas wasn't a rapper I really knew until like really on MTV, like the videos started coming out, and he mm-hmm. uh, he had that song with with Diddy where he's chained up like Jesus Christ, and it was yeah, like there like, was some crazy stuff going on. Yeah, so like it it took me a while really to like get into hip hop music, and I I remember like trying to listen to what other people were listening to, and and the first time i got like an ll cool j cd and i just mm-hmm. thought it was the coolest thing and i was going to be this kid that can claim he listens to ll cool j and i've got the cd and like it was definitely like a a status thing that i wanted to you know i wanted to achieve yeah. with kids in the class
1: uh yeah i uh i think my I listened to a lot of different stuff because I was friends with a lot of different people, mm. but I have to blame Clyburn for this, for getting me into like hip hop and stuff. Cause I remember us rolling around in my Dodge neon with the, <laughs> with the volume turned all the way up listening to the chronic album.
0: Yes. He said and he loved that
1: album. <laughs> we, we listened
0: to an and earth Wind, and fire live. That's the other one he said he loved. Yep. God, isn't that, uh, that's what, like, what we all, that's like what we all do. Um, when with our friends i guess i used to like ride around listening to um god i'm almost embarrassed to say this now i can remember like with like with ray we always listened to like rap music and ray would like would be the one to introduce me to rap like Mm -hmm. different songs and different artists but with scott (laughs) we used to listen like all different stuff so scott and i used to listen to like luther vandross and, (laughs) and like and like The the first Destiny's Child, like writing on the wall, the Destiny's Child album, and like Mm -hmm. just picking out our favorite songs. I remember Scott was like first one to introduce me. And this is before like the song hit um, and they had videos or anything, but first one introduced me to Three Doors Down. Yeah. Probably like six months, a year. He had that album before it ever was like a a hit or anything before 12th grade. Uh, So like just like random stuff. It's funny. And that was like the fun thing to just sit in your car, drive around and listen to music. Well we didn't have the internet really that's all we had to do. We had AOL and it kind of sucked. yeah yeah um, do you what did you find yourself then for your personal choice? Earth Wind, and Fire like when, when Mike said that I was like, oh wow but you know that makes sense right he's, he's so he's a band guy and you're a band guy mm-hmm. um, is what what other stuff did you get into for your personal choice? Uh,
1: I got into a lot of jazz and a lot of funk like the early like Earth Wind, and fire type stuff. Ah, uh, Tower of Power, Chicago. That was mm. what I was listening to, and I was listening to a lot of Broadway, a lot of a lot of theater stuff, uh, mostly because I I was just loving it, and I was going to a lot of theater stuff with my parents and friends and stuff like that. So, I was into it. It's wow. funny. I had. Uh, do you remember we used to carry around those books of CDs? Like you would have like the binder that had like the three CD jackets in it. Mm-hmm. I had two of those in my car. Yeah. One one was full of hip hop. And and pop music like Three Doors Down, Creed was in there, all kinds of stuff. And the other was nothing but Broadway, nothing wow. but Broadway. And I had driven my car into Philly, and someone broke into it because you know it takes a, a, a top criminal mind to break into a Dodge Neon. And they took one of them, and the I musicals. Found, yeah, I found. I was like, oh god, no, they took my Broadway. And sure enough, they had taken the Broadway one and left left the rap and hip hop one. I was, I don't, I felt so bad for the poor criminal, like going back into his, whatever he was doing, trying to sell like Les Miserables, 10th anniversary, full symphonic recording.
0: I would have loved to see like the decision process in that when he's just like, (laughs) he's got these two books and he's just looking at him. He's like, I only got time and enough, (laughs) and enough arm space to take one of them. Hope this one's good.
1: (laughs) I think he maybe just saw the one but
0: who knows um once I got out of high school I, I I was not much into musicals anymore and I never really completed like the the proper musical education like to know a lot of them so for me like my my favorite musicals are probably like you know I think uh, into the woods is probably my favorite good um, man it's a great one and um grease uh, I remember seeing with my grandfather at like the Walnut street theater and yep. Grease two was actually my preferred movie. Really? Yeah. I prefer Grease two over Grease one. Um, and that I saw Grease two, the movie before I ever seen Grease at all. Wow. Um, and West side story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then other than that, that's probably about it. Uh, do you have what, do you have like a favorite musical or a top oh, three or. <laughs> you, you can't ask a music director. his favorite. That's why I say like a top it's... three.
1: Uh, top three. Let's see. Uh, Les Mis has to be in there just because of the sheer amount I've, I've lived with that thing. Mm. Um, Town. If you've not listened to Town yet, mm. get yourself the Town album. Okay. It is out of this world and the show is spectacular. It's still on Broadway. Uh, if it reopens, go and see it before it leaves because it's amazing. Um, What's another? I mean, Hamilton came out, and I waited a while because I didn't want to bandwagon it. And I really love Hamilton. Uh, and My Fair Lady is up there too.
0: Really? I'm and here like, I just like trashed it.
1: <laughs> it's sorry. Right. My, I mean, that's just you know because I was part of it, the show, and I music directed My Fair Lady in uh, at the Dutch Apple. Oh, okay. So I've come around to that show now twice from both ends of the stage. So it's been pretty cool. Wow.
0: Um, can you talk a little bit about like Mr. Hood, um, in band and, and just your experience with him? Uh, he was an amazing teacher.
1: Uh, absolutely amazing. He was honest, you know, how some teachers like to gloss over stuff or not share and kind of be cold. He was honest about everything and he was so welcoming to everybody and he was just a good guy. And just the sheer amount of stuff he exposed us to, uh, senior year, he let me do an independent study in band and it was like he would just play jazz chords and I would try to solo on trombone and we talk about music history. We talk about music theory. He was just trying to get me ready for college yeah. and he's just such a good guy. And he took pranks really well. We were always pranking him.
0: He was so, always uh, yeah, he always had a smile on his face. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the period of time that we had him and Conahan kind of arm in arm uh, mm-hmm. for the music department is from chorus and a band side. Of things that was just really fun I'd never really experienced uh, I often wonder if I had had Conahan you know all four years in in high school or even just a little bit longer Mm -hmm. um the way you had Mr. Hood how you know that was the first time I really saw like the music department work hand in hand and and you know music theory and understanding reading music which yeah it's just a lot more fun than I had ever really experienced beyond just being the singer yeah um so yeah I uh I get what you mean with that, because I saw that a lot in Conahan.
1: Yeah. Oh, Conahan was great, too.
0: He was yeah. a good guy. Have yeah. you been watching what he's been, like, he was doing, like, the Christmas stuff? Yeah. Carol Ragnarok? Yeah, the last two years, I, I saw he was he was doing that. And I really wanted to go, because I used to do the caroling with him around the suburbs. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you were ever a part of that, but when he came mm-hmm. in, he was we used to do, like, we were, like, a traveling group. And we would, like, maybe 15 of us would go all over the city um, and Christmas Carol um, in the double tree down here in, in Center City um, at old age homes or retirement mm-hmm. centers yeah. <laughs> in, uh, in the burbs you know springhouse yeah. estates and and stuff like that and um, i never really experienced like gigging before mm-hmm. you know I was feeling like and I, I really do miss stuff like that now as an adult. Um, I look at everything that you're involved in, and I wish, like, I, I wish I knew more about it from a singing perspective that I could get myself into something like that. Um, But yeah, that was a lot of fun, and and it started with the caroling, really, you know. And then we would just do stuff like that all over, and it was Greek hymn or uh, uh, Latin hymns, and yeah, and um, you know, prepare or not prepare—that's (laughs) Godspell, Gloria, and and, and, and all these different things. And he was very experimental. Um, we once did a performance where we said nothing for like four minutes. Oh, John Cage. Yeah. (laughs) You know it. Yeah. Oh yeah. 422. 422.
1: Yes. Great piece. I love that thing. Yeah. That was joint between the, uh, the orchestra and chorus though, wasn't it? I remember, yeah, I remember sitting there because we had to hold our instruments up like in playing position the whole time right. for each movement, and then put them down and then put them back up again. Yes, it was highly annoying to hold
0: a trombone still and not do anything with it for like two minutes straight. I uh, we just had to stand there; we didn't have to at least hold up any extra weight. Um, no. That was wild. <laughs> have, you, <laughs> have you done that since? Uh, I think we did it in college. Were you? But I think. Do you feel like a pro at that point? I got this, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I practice real hard. For anyone that doesn't know what we're talking about, 422 <laughs> is a piece, is that what you call it, a piece?
1: Yeah, it's a piece, It's, yeah.
0: it's a musical piece of nothing but, what, rests?
1: <laughs> uh, It's not rests. It's it's uh, actionable silence. Actionable silence. Yeah, so, so yeah, the, the idea that John Cage had was that music – is around us all the time so he was getting away from this performer focused music and the idea was the audience would be so honed in waiting for something to happen that they would start paying attention to all the sounds that were happening naturally around them and you know he like there's all kinds of like psychology science behind it because you know how like there's that seven minute rule where no matter how big a crowd is every seven minutes it'll go dead for no reason and then it'll pick back up and he, he had that in the piece. Like it was all part of the plan. Wow. It's, it's really crazy. And you can go on YouTube and watch performances of it. And they're, they're
0: great. It was unreal. So it's like, you've got a bunch of, you know, 17 year olds, 18 year olds, uh, about that sitting in chairs and standing on risers completely still and silent for four minutes and 22 seconds.
1: Yeah. Well, it's three movements. Okay. So it's kind of like a little, uh, concerto almost. So you go up, I forget what the breakdown is. There's, there's specific instructions and like there's a printed score and everything that you need to get, but you're supposed to go, like, usually you see it with like a piano player, right? They'll go and the piano cover is down and they set a watch up and they open the score to the first page. They open the piano player, the the keyboard, and they start. And then they go for a couple minutes and they close it and they rest like you do at a whatever. And then they open the next one and close it and then open the next one and close it and bow. And that's it.
0: Do you turn the page?
1: Yeah. You turn the page.
0: Yep. Yeah. I kind of remember like Conahan maybe giving us like the, a couple times, like, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) And and I just remember like we had to rehearse it all the time. Yeah. And like, we're like, no one's going to pull this off. (laughs) Can't stay silent. And of course, like kids are quiet for, for a while. Then, all of a sudden someone's got to make a fart noise with their mouth and everyone starts right. laughing it was just like, just the most ridiculous thing for juveniles to have to. <laughs> have well, to yeah, do. I think that's the big challenge and probably why he had you
1: practicing so much is because he had to prepare us for not laughing when the audience started laughing.
0: Mm, yeah. 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 Cause it starts off as like a little, Oh, this is weird. Did they forget, <laughs> Did they forget their music? What's yeah. going on right now? That's exactly uh, it. And then there's that that awkwardness of okay, do something, do something, do something, um and then it kind of gets, becomes like, "Oh, I get it, we get it we we're, <laughs> we're in on it now, and they become a part of it, yeah, uh, but it takes probably like of that four twenty two it probably takes three fifteen to get there at least <laughs> yeah, brilliant piece, love that oh, John Cage is crazy. I haven't thought about that in so long,
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, it's great, oh, good memories
0: um. So, what point? What was it for you then with band? Um, and at this point now, you're back in marching band. Mm-hmm. Um, what was it that that made you decide, or was there a moment where it clicked instantly? I guess you said eleventh grade, where you said like, okay, this is what I want to actually do in college, yeah, or for had, for a career. We
1: had to do in eleventh grade. I think it was like a work study type thing where we had to do some kind of thing either in the community or for kids or something like that. And I, Hood talked me into going over and hanging out with Mr. Kane and helping the middle school band. And as soon as I started helping kids and I realized how powerful a teacher can be, I wanted to be in music ed. And, th- and that was it. Then it clicked.
0: Um, it's funny that it was that considering just the type of, I don't know, I guess, relationship that you had with Mr. Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, that it took going to Mr. Kane.
1: Yeah. Well, it wasn't so much because it's interesting. Like, the relationship you have with the teacher as a student is, you know, one thing. And that can certainly make people want to go into teaching. That, that's always a common thing. For me, I actually had to be the teacher to get that it was something that I wanted to do. And just, you know, sitting there next to a middle school kid and explaining to them how to play a scale and they could do it. And then the look on their face, I wanted that
0: that makes sense,
1: you know, and I came back to 12th grade with a whole new respect for what like people like Mr. Hood and Mr. Conahan and all our teachers were doing. Um, you know, and I really took 12th grade to kind of eat that all up and try to find what was working and what wasn't working for teachers and, and use that.
0: That makes so much more sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then where do you, where did you start looking what is college you know the college search look like for you and and where did you end up eventually going
1: uh so i wanted to go to westchester cuz that's where everybody in the philadelphia area goes for music i that that's all i want i applied to westchester and that was it and my mom said i was crazy i had to apply to at least three other schools hmm. so i applied to uh mansfield university which is way up north near the new york border uh millersville university cuz it was down the road and who cares and iup because it was farther away so i had iup
0: uh indiana Indiana university University of pennsylvania
1: it's outside of pittsburgh okay so i got myself ready and hood's getting me ready for the audition stuff and i went to westchester and the trombone guy was a nightmare and he hated me for i don't know what reason but i totally didn't get in didn't get in at all uh, and they have a w- really weird audition process. I won't go into the specifics. That's just a little nightmare story. <laughs> and I cried my whole way back up 202 cause I didn't get in. Like they wouldn't wow. even let me in the music department. They said, if the, if the university accepts you, that's cool, but you have to be undeclared. You, you can't be a music major. Wow. So I was like heartbroken. Like I didn't know what to do. Uh, then I went to Mansfield and the trombone professor up there was like, oh, well, you know, there's a couple problems with your playing. Nothing we can't fix. We'd be happy to have you but it was in the middle of nowhere on a mountain and I, I couldn't do it. I, Mike Clyburn actually came with me on that trip because okay. I wanted somebody in the car for four hours. And I, I came out of the music building and he was hanging out and I, I looked at him. I'm like, there's no way I'm coming here. This is too far away from humanity. It, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I turned into something from the shining. Uh, and then I went to Millersville and met uh, Dr. Rabidow who was my trombone professor and I fell in love with it. The, the campus was beautiful. He was such a great guy. He reminded me a lot of Mr. Hood actually, uh, just with his openness and he was a great trombone player and you know, very. he taught me a lesson right there and then as the yeah. thing instead of just me playing random stuff. Uh, so I pretty much made up my mind at that point and then I was going to IUP, but they got some kind of blizzard that was coming across from west to east and they said, hey, uh, you know, we're gonna have to cancel. You don't wanna come out here in this. And I said, okay, well, we'll reschedule. And then I just never rescheduled it. I just ended up going to Millersville.
0: Millersville. Ah, That's nice. That's nice the way that worked out, though.
1: Yeah. And the beautiful thing about Millersville, it was uh, close enough that I could get home in an hour and a half, but far enough away to discourage just the random pop-by visit.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, did you have any, like, specific, you know, desire to be further or not so, you know? or close to home or I felt a similar way with temple that it was like far enough that like, you know, if someone's going to come by and visit, it's an hour away. But, um, if I need to go home for the most ridiculous of reasons, it's not a, it's not a chore.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't, I didn't have distance really in mind. I didn't really care if I didn't want to be too far away. (laughs) Like I, I wanted to be somewhat close. Like I definitely wasn't going to California or something like that. Um, but Millersville was kind of right in the sweet spot
0: for me. So it was, it was good. Uh, You mentioned uh, way earlier that you had gone to Germany as a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember looking in the yearbook and I think you took German. Yeah. Um, In your heritage, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. Both my parents are from Germany. I'm the first generation born.
0: Wow. Born in Germany. They were. Yeah. I don't know why I said that like Yoda. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, mom, mom was born, uh, in the, in Hamburg in, in closer to Northern Germany. And my father was born in Bavaria.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's unique. So, um, how, so they've been here for 40 years by the time, uh, by the time you were born. Um, how is their English? Fine. Uh great. My yeah. my mom, uh you can kind of tell if you know that she has an accent.
1: Very very slight now. Uh my dad you can definitely tell. If you talk to my dad, you know he's he's from some germanic country somewhere that he's never lost that. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, my mom came over when she was 16. Uh she came over to visit relatives that were here and then she wrote a letter back to her parents and said I'm not coming back. Wow. So she just she stayed. Well, the thing in Germany is Uh, they they railroad you in your education. So, you know, once you get to fourth grade, you take a test. And if, you you know, depending on that test, you either go into a trade or you go to university. And in my mom's case, she was just like in home ec. And, Mm. you know, just preparing to be a a housewife pretty much. And she hated it. She didn't want to do that. Um, And similar, my dad was, uh, he got through sixth grade, I think. And then he started training for, to be a butcher. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Mom came over when she was 16, uh, and she stayed. She got her high school. I think it was a GED at that point. Um, And then she went to Temple for a while until she got married. And my dad came over in his early 20s with his family, and uh, he joined the Marines, actually. And that's that's how he gained his citizenship.
0: Wow. My – I – I popped so big when you said butcher, my great grandfather, when he came from, uh, from Russia, uh, became a butcher when he grew up, he came over as a kid, but once he, he got a little bit older, uh, he became a butcher. So like the big hands and and, the butcher blood, it's always like kind of been a thing in our family. So that was cool to hear that. (laughs) Yeah. My, my dad is a big guy and he's
1: 82 years old and he can still crush me Mm. if he wants to like, he can take my hand and just and it freaks me out because my life is playing piano now. So, it, I mean, he knows it too. He just rubs his uh, thumb a little bit and starts cracking my hand. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs>
0: um, so, did you, did you also take another language? Uh, just
1: in sixth grade when we took the uh, all four. I guess okay. we, we took a marking period of Japanese, of Spanish, of uh, French, and German. Yeah, yeah. And then from seventh grade on, I took German the whole time um yeah. is that cheating you would think so but i was conversational german so all the rules and grammar and stuff like that i didn't know okay. which actually kind of hurt me because i didn't take it seriously because like the first three years of that language stuff is all the conversational, like hello how are you my name is "blah, blah, blah what color happy do you birthday. like happy all that kind of stuff so i'm like eh, eh. and you know they mix in the grammar with that too but i was like yeah yeah i know that stuff oh uh, this is stupid and then mm-hmm. I got to maybe 10th grade and all of a sudden it was like, okay, now you have to write a paragraph in German. And I sucked at it. It was absolutely terrible. So that, that kind of, that kind of ruined me.
0: I'm just looking at your, um, I'm looking at your yearbook picture right oh, now. Good Lord. Just to see, just to see if there's any other events in here. um, I'm trying to see if I know the friends that you've listed in the yearbook here. Oh, I don't
1: even know. Who I, but, on list. I couldn't find my yearbook.
0: Uh, this is so weird. This is terrible. That, like now that this is, I just realized this is the big thing that we can't do on the podcast is like, have you actually signed the yearbook since you're not here? Oh yeah. But um,
1: I'll send you a digital signature. You can stamp you it. In. T-
0: take that. Thank you. Um, but you do call out, uh, Tito Liebchen, Liebken. Uh-huh. Yuchen, Schutz. Adam. Oh, yeah. Which is I can assume is Adam Greger Yeah. Keith. Keith, yep. Yeah, Pasarsek. Yep. Yeah. Um Ellen. Opplinger, Opplinger And Margot. Yeah. Matthews. Margo Matthews. Justin. Oh god, Justin. And all the oh, rest of He was you.
1: an underclassman,
0: yeah. Okay. And all the rest of you, you guys yeah. are the best. Um, yeah. So I find it interesting. No, uh, other than Margot, and I mean, I don't know Tito or Lieb- is it? Tito Liebchen- is Clyburn. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I was going to say, it doesn't seem like you have anyone like in our class other than Ellen and Margot. but okay.
1: Yeah. Leap and and shots there. They're, they're in our class too. Okay. I think, I think one of those is uh, they're both Kim's. Uh, okay. Kim Citrone, and what was the other Kim's
0: last name? Borkowski. No, no, not that Kim. Here we go on the name game. Oh, God. Devin. see. No. Um,
1: Clauder. No, not Kim Clauder. Although, Kim Clauder was also in my neighborhood. Pace. Kimber, no.
0: Kimberly... I, I forget oh, God! I forget, and don't ask me cause I have no idea which one is which anymore. Oh, I know. Well, I grew up with Kim Citrone actually. Uh, we just became Facebook friends uh, recently, but I don't think, I don't think we were friendly. So that'll be a fun, that'll be a fun interview. Oh dear Lord. You know, one of those people that just knew me too long. Yeah. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Since you said that you were, uh, you were a nerd, yeah, uh, how nerdy were you? Oh, very nerdy. Oh, very nerdy. <laughs> like nerd. like I, from a stereotype standpoint, you know, did you play Dungeons and Dragons? Or- no, I
1: wasn't. I wasn't that nerd. No, no, no. I was just the quiet. You know, I was smaller than everyone because I was really skinny. I had the glasses. I always had the book bag on both shoulders instead of just the one. You know, that kind of stupid stuff. And I dress exactly the same way I dressed back then, which probably doesn't help. You know, <laughs> jeans, jeans, and button-down shirts. Yeah, yeah, the that's classic. That's kind of the style now. Yeah. Well, it's beautiful now. Yeah,
0: business cash. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's it's great now. But when you middle school and
0: high school, everyone's like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guy's dresses like he's 36. <laughs> <laughs> I grew into the classics. Uh did you date at all?
1: Uh not much. Um I I had really bad luck and no game. Same. Uh, <laughs> I remember um I won't say her name because I don't feel like embarrassing her, but I, there was a girl on my bus in our class and Mm I, you know, I was trying, (laughs) I was talking to her and I guess she was flirting, but I think she was more making fun of me. But uh, I I gave her my number and she said, okay, I'll call you. And I literally went home and sat by the phone all day and she totally didn't call. (laughs) And I was like, Oh my God, I have to go to school tomorrow and she's in class and that's gonna be a thing (laughs) it's like so stuff like that um kim centrone and i dated for a hot minute i guess senior year and that ended you know as high school romances end yeah um but yeah not much
0: uh when you do when you go out like on dates or something what kind of a i didn't date at all so i never went on any dates what kind of and part of my problem was i didn't know what you do um, in high school when you date. So what do you do when you, when the few that you had, but what do you do when you go out and dates? <laughs> I
1: don't know. <laughs> I Honestly, I mean, maybe dinner, yeah. you know, take her to the Italian place that was across the street from the Wawa. What was that place called? We used to go there all the time.
0: Across from the Wawa.
1: Yeah. Down that street there. Like if you go around the car dealership, the BMW dealership mm-hmm. on that strip, it was on the left. It was in like a strip mall type
0: thing. Arpeggios. Maybe something like that. Like a pizza place or
1: friendlies or something like that.
0: That's where, yeah, that was the thing that I always used to like, I used to go to friendlies with friends and uh, that was like our, our hang spot, but I never saw like kids that had girlfriends there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: you know, who knows? No one, no one's telling you what to do with these things.
0: Yeah. What kind of stuff did you guys do like socially outside of school? Well, I guess with, <laughs> with, with your crew of friends.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just band. I mean, it became all-consuming because you had marching band all fall and then you had jazz band pretty much all spring. Um, but we would, we would go to like Barnes & Noble and, and listen to CDs and talk. And, you know, we went to the friendlies. Mm. I guess, you know, I'm sure we went to movies, although I can't for the life of me remember which ones or when. Um, <clears throat> but band was the driving force between a lot of the friend group that hung out.
0: Was there like any like, um, was there like a, a hierarchy or was there like a, a uh, I don't know, a social system in, oh, in band? Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Were there like the cool uh-huh. band kids? And then like yeah. The, oh, yeah.
1: Oh, the- for sure. Of course. And it all changed. Every year it, it shuffled because you would, you know, people would start being section leaders or the drum mate Being the drum major was the big thing. Or, you know, the field captain or, you know, who's who's in charge of the guard and all this stuff. So you're you're constantly reassigning your little social stratus within the band.
0: Yeah. Did you uh, where did you fall in that in that realm? Um,
1: I'm mid management. (laughs) I think is the (laughs) best way to put it.
0: Um, I
1: uh, I was section leader, but our section was me, Mike Clyburn and Barkley Boyd. Uh, Barkley Neal I think was her name then
0: Barkley Neal yeah. yeah wow uh, it was
1: it was trombone Mike was on marching baritone because he played euphonium in the band and she played sousaphone or tuba so a nice section of three for a long time I think we maybe added a freshman my senior year, but I forget them at this point
0: so would you say you guys are just peers
1: <laughs> yeah and then and we're of course the three of us were also in jazz band so you know it was like always the thing yeah um and I was field captain my senior year. Who was the dr Emily was the drum major.
0: Wholefield. Yes. Um once you once you get to college, you know, for me, um doing film, I kind of it took me a couple of years, but I kind of by the time I made it to Temple, I started at Monco, got my associates, then went to mm-hmm. Temple. And by the time I was in Temple, I was almost shocked at times at some of the stuff that people would create put out um because it wasn't good Mm -hmm. and it probably wasn't until my senior year when I was in my thesis class that I started to kind of like formulate this mentality that um oh there are lots of people in the arts that are peers to you Mm -hmm. um because they pay to be there or they knew someone to be there or right place, right time. But it doesn't mean that the work is equal. Right. So I'm curious your experience going to school, going to college in the arts. And, and it's some, it's not competitive because your grade is your grade, but you want, I felt a a desire to stand out with my work. Mm -hmm. Um, did you feel that? And did you feel from a, just, you know, from a, even playing field that some people were lesser, even though they were getting the same opportunities as you Or,
1: Oh, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that didn't sound right. I don't mean that like, no, I was better than everyone. So uh, whatever. No, 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 not at all. Um, for me, and it was interesting because in, in music education is a little bit weird because it's not like performance where the driving force is how good can you get at your instrument, at mm-hmm. your field. Our, our focus was teaching. And we tried to be really good teachers. Now you need to be a really good musician to be a good music teacher. Period. That just goes with goes without saying. In fact, you need to be an excellent te- uh, musician, musician to be a teacher. Um, but my class specifically was not a lot of performance people. There were people that were better performers. I was not a great trombone. Like I was in no way a virtuoso trombone player. I I hated everything about doing like solo trombone work. I wanted. I did the absolute minimum for my junior and senior, uh, uh, I don't even remember what the concert things, uh, just because- Recitals? Recitals, there you go, thank you. The non-music major getting the word. (laughs) Um, I wanted nothing to do with that part of the spectrum. Um, I I love playing in ensembles and I love doing musicals, Mm. um, but I hated solo work. And to this day, I hate solo work. like, everyone's like, oh, you should get on Facebook and play piano. It's like, nah, that's okay. I uh, don't need that. Yeah. Um, so we enjoyed each other performances, I guess you would say, and we encouraged each other. But we never really... It
0: wasn't was, competitive.
1: Yeah, it wasn't like that. It you, was
0: didn't com- need to be, you didn't no, need to be judgy.
1: No, it was competitive on the academic side. Like we were competing with each other for grades in history and theory. And that was a big thing that we would, we would egg each other on about, but the performance stuff that that wasn't even really a big thing.
0: Interesting. Um, So then your experience in college, how was that at Millersville? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. Was it a hundred percent geared towards music education for you? And that field itself Difficult?
1: Very hard. Um, because we didn't have, it helped and hurt. We didn't have like crazy amounts of theory in high school and middle school. Uh, and theory is hugely important at Millersville. So they were doing like hand signs and, 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 um, Kodai method and all this kind of tricky stuff and like knowing intervals and stuff. And I was like base zero, but Mm. because I was base zero, I didn't, fight against it i just used whatever innate musicianship i had and and grew and i grew fast like i got really good really quickly which was a lot of fun um and some of my friends they were coming from these programs where they learned a different method and the professor of theory wanted nothing to do with that and you know it was a fight for a year or two until he broke them down and got them to do it his way but uh i did i did really well in college i really enjoyed Having responsibility and being on top of it for myself. Um, and then once once you graduate, what happens? Uh, graduated in two thousand and five, and I actually got a job teaching in the school district that I student taught in, in school district of Lancaster. Uh, and I taught middle school, so sixth, seventh, and eighth grade band and general music. Hmm. So similar to Mr. Kane, and I did that for six years, and then I had to leave because I was stupid and didn't get enough credits for my level two cert. Oh. Uh, so in PA, you, you start with a level one, and they give you six years to get a certain amount of college degrees toward a master's. You don't have to get a master's if you don't want to. Most people mm-hmm. do. Um, but you have to have a certain number of degrees. You have to do a certain number of, of professional credits, which your school district takes care of. And I was I was six short. I was two classes short.
0: So then what happens? You have uh, to leave I, Lancaster? You have to leave the school?
1: Yeah, I got a call. I was starting my seventh year and I got a call on a Friday from the human resources department. And they're like, Hey, uh, your level two certifications due, And we see that you don't haven't turned in enough credits. So, uh, you know, what's the deal with that? And I said, Oh, I, I got to check on my paperwork back home. Like I knew full well what was going on. And I came, I went right to the principal and, and told him what was going on. And, uh, he organized all the meetings. I had a meeting on a, the next Monday. I came back, and you know, we, we talked about what was going to happen. And they basically said, you know, you can either have a letter of resignation or we can fire you, um, either way. So I, of course I did the letter of resignation. All right. Um, and then that Wednesday, the person who was going to replace me came in and observed Wednesday, Thursday, and they took over Friday while I packed up my office and left. Wow. That was it.
0: That after was it. Seven years
1: after seven, six, well, six full years in my seventh year. Um, now, it's, it's weird because the one law in Pennsylvania that has no gray area and no loophole is that because you cannot teach at all. You can't get an emergency certificate. You can't get a do, uh, certificate in any other area. If your certificate is lapsed, you have to correct the lapse before you can do anything. Hmm. So you can't sub. Wow. I, I couldn't do that if I wanted to. As a, as a certified teacher, I can't sub right now because I, I have a lapse certificate. So, I mean, it was my all, my own fault. I got, yeah. I got stubborn. Um, I was getting a little tired of the administration stuff because a lot of, you know, we were in corrective action and, you know, it was, you know, city school district. Um, loved the kids. Yeah. I Absolutely adored the kids. And I loved my colleagues. But it, it was a grind and it was a bad grind. And I think, you know, psychologically, I, I went through a lot of stuff and I probably just shut that part of my brain off and didn't care so much about it. Um, so yeah, I left and I went through a little bit of depression then after that. Um, obviously, you know, I lost my professional career that I, my parents had put me through college and, you know, I was paying student loans and I had a mortgage and no job. Mm. Um, so then I started doing, uh, one-on-one work with kids with behavioral disorders. I worked for a company that did mental health, um, as a TSS, And I did that for about two years and I had just started to work towards a master's degree so I could advance in that company because I wasn't going to be able to pay the bills on the, you know, 12 whatever an hour that you get for that. Mm. Um, And then this job at the Dutch Apple opened up and I had been doing a community theater as the music supervisor for about 10 years at that point. So I went in for an interview there and uh, got the job and it was salary benefits the whole nine. I couldn't believe it. Wow. And I've been doing that ever since. And what is the Dutch Apple exactly? So the Dutch Apple is a regional dinner theater. Uh, So you come, you have dinner or lunch or whatever, and we do shows. And it's year-round. We do about eight. so fun. Yeah, eight shows a year, eight musicals. Well, sometimes eight musicals. Sometimes there's a play thrown in there, which is great because I get a little bit of a break. Um, But it's it's year-round theater. The shows run for six to eight weeks. And uh, I'm also the music supervisor for our touring wing. So before all this coronavirus hit, I was music directing Grumpy Old Men at the theater. I had a tour of Finding Neverland that I was the music supervisor wow. for. Wow. And a tour of Chicago that I was the music uh, coordinator for because the music supervisor was the guy from Broadway.
0: Wow. That's awesome. That sounds yeah. like so much fun.
1: Oh, it's a blast. It's an absolute blast. I get to, I get to do music, musical theater all day, every day.
0: Wow. Wow. Um, I want to understand the teaching situation. So, because no. you, were, you were missing those two credits and you had to go, you're, were you not allowed to return? No. I, were you, were you, are you not allowed to get those credits? I mean, oh, no, and I can.
1: I can. In fact, <clears throat> dude, no, I only took one class. If I take, well, no, I didn't even finish that class because I got the job. I need to take two college courses, so, six credits total. Once I do that, I can submit those two credits to the school district of Lancaster if they even still have my personnel file at this point. Hmm. Um, and then they'll send that to the state and they will renew my level two. Okay. So I, it would be very easy for me to get back into public teaching if I wanted to. I honestly, at this point, I don't want to.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. Isn't that funny how it works out though? Yeah. You Right out of college, you kind of got right into what you wanted to do since- You had that internship that meant so much to you, yeah. Um, And then because of just kind of bureaucraticness, (laughs) yeah, um, you lose it. You have a tough time, and now you're you found something you love so much more. You don't even want to go back.
1: Yeah, yeah. And the fun, (laughs) the the awesome thing is, and I say this to everybody who asks, like, how do you become a music director? That's a real job. Blah blah blah. It's like, well, yeah, I took a hobby and made it my profession. Like that's yeah, you know, because. I mean, you know, I did theater in high school. When I got to college, I begged and borrowed until I got into the pit. And I did uh, my first year in college. I was in the pit for The Wiz, which was a lot of fun. Love The Wiz, yeah. Yeah, funk music, man. That's so, so great. And then we did Pippin, and I was trombone player for that. And then my junior year, we did Once on This Island. And I, it was a student-run organization, so I interviewed to be the music director, and I got it. And as soon as I did the first downbeat on opening night, that's what I wanted to do. Like somehow being a music director had to be part of what I did with myself. So after I graduated, I was teaching, but at night I was going up to the Africa performing arts center, which is about 30 minutes away from Lancaster. And uh, I was doing theater there. I was playing in the orchestras and then they got me to music direct shows and, over the course of 10 seasons, I went from music directing one show a season to two or three or four. Wow. Um, and then I was kind of like the music seer and I, I got into the board of directors there for a couple years. And uh, yeah, did that for 10 years until I got my job at Dutch Apple and I kind of had to give that one up because of hmm. cr- conflict of interest stuff. So,
0: Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so you live in Lancaster now?
1: Yep, live in Lancaster. Yeah, Always, work. always have
0: always always have and working in Lancaster yeah and how's Lancaster
1: Lancaster is is a cool little town um this area really reminds me of back home uh because it's kind of like urban suburban mix
0: did you grow up in I asked about your school but did you grow up in in Whitpain or in township yeah yeah okay yeah
1: uh, so Betsy it reminds Lane. you
0: so it reminds you of that
1: yeah in general yeah um you know it's 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 a nice small town surrounded by, it's, it's a minor city surrounded by a lot of small towns that are similar to towns around home. Yeah. Um, I love the history around here. Lancaster has so much history to it. Um, uh, lots of great, like we have a central market that's mm-hmm. really great because of all the farm produce that's around. Um, and yeah, there's a huge theater scene here. It's huge. Uh, there's the Fulton Theater, which is a major house. Uh, Hershey Theater, there's sight and sound just like an hour north of here, our theater. And then there's a ton of community theater. Like there's, Mm. you can, you can throw a stone and hit a theater
0: around here. It's great. Um, Do you still get to check out other stuff prior to this all happening? (laughs) did you you still um, get to check out other shows?
1: When I could,
0: it got, it got harder and harder
1: just because I was, because I'm, I'm full time. Like part of the job is like, you know, hiring people and doing tracks and, and, you know, getting stuff organized and mm-hmm. doing rehearsals and all that. Um, and then shows we do, you know, six to nine shows a week. Wow. So Tuesday through Sunday I was doing shows and, you know, we're doing shows when all the other theaters are doing shows. Yeah. So it got, it got hard. Um, eventually I started, I got to a point where they were letting me have a assistant music director who could cover a couple nights a week. Mm-hmm. and i could you know take those kind of nights off to try to catch friends and family and stuff like that and other shows around so
0: i don't know um and not married or anything
1: not married yet girlfriend of six years wow uh we're actually well the coronavirus now forced
0: us to live together it forced the issue um i'm yeah, jealous well. i'm jealous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're my biggest uh, about a week ago uh and for time's sake we're probably about uh we're probably about what a month, three, three and a half weeks, a month into this thing. This is, Uh, this is actually month two. Now we're in week five. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. We're in week five. Um, so that whenever this airs, you you have some reference, but last week was the first week I started thinking about like relationships and girls and Oh my God, when am I going to get to see a girl again? (laughs) (laughs) And so I've been, I've been zooming with a lot of friends and, and I have a lot of friends that are couples and, you know, the the friendship is is mutual amongst all of us. Um, yep. And I'm just so envious of all my friends that have their girlfriends or wives with them. And yeah. um, here I am five weeks, just, just me. Just me, hey, and, me and my pad here. <laughs> that's
1: got its benefits too, my friend. That's got its benefits
0: too. The first three um, weeks, it felt okay. Now I'm getting a little... <laughs> getting a little antsy.
1: <laughs> getting a little antsy. Don't, don't worry. There'll be a lot of girls waiting for uh, male companionship once this is all done, I'm sure.
0: Yeah, we got to buy some stock in Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> you, said, uh, you said that uh, your whole reason, the whole reason we were going to, this was going to work out schedule-wise for you to come was uh, you come into the city, I think you said every Sunday? Every Sunday, yeah. What do you, uh, what do, you do out here? I'm the organist for my church. Um, wow. The church I've been
1: going to since I've been a kid is in Center City, Philadelphia, on Broad and Mount Vernon Street, Old Zion Lutheran. Wow. And, uh, yeah. When I was 16, our organist just didn't show up one day. And they said, hey, you play piano, go play the organ for the service, which was like not the same at all. Um, so I did that. And then he had some kind of medical issues. So I started taking organ lessons a couple times and I filled in for a couple weeks till I found someone to cover. And then I went away to college and I would come back every once in a while. And then I guess it was my senior year in college, uh, the organist that they had decided to retire. Uh, so I started playing. And they kind of did a search, and then once I got my job, I was like, well, I could just keep doing this because I you know a teacher I have Sundays open that's not a big deal. It's a great excuse to see my parents every week mm. uh, and I've been doing that now this is I'm in my seventeenth year
0: of doing wow. that Wow yeah. that's incredible yep uh i I lived uh for a year right on uh right nineteen in fairmount so oh yeah yeah i uh, I know that area pretty well yep. Yeah. It's a, it's
1: a great old church still do, you know, it's well with this coronavirus, it's throwing a wrench into the whole system. Yeah. yeah. uh, On the Sunday that we were supposed to get together, actually, we recorded four services in a row because I've been doing the live stream for them. So I've been trying to edit video and do all that stuff. And boy, is that a nightmare? I, if you do (laughs) video editing, I do not begrudge you your job. What an
0: absolute nightmare. You got to. Uh, it's a it's a workflow thing, yeah. Uh, and every time, sometimes when I'm when I have to do something new, um, as these zooms are kind of are for me now, and I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of different types of stuff. Uh, so it took a little bit of time for me just to get the workflow in because it's just a little bit different than shooting video and right. throwing that in. So um, it, it felt like a chore um, for the last couple of weeks while I was trying to figure out the smartest way to get it done uh, so that it makes sense. And I find that that's what editing is. But there's even bigger parts of it that I just, my brain has a hard time clicking. And I think it's just a lot of repetition. That's what, you know, that's what makes it better.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's just, it's like, you know, I'm trying to record the pastor doing his thing on my iPad and then, and cutting it in an iMovie. And it's just, you know, uh, it gets to be a nightmare.
0: Yeah. Um, Do you still talk to anyone from school still get back to the, I mean, you come to Philly, but do you get back into the burbs at all or?
1: Uh, not, not too much. Um, I talked to Clyburn every once in a while. Um, I was, you know, part of the, yeah, it's hard. I missed his wedding because of work. Mm. Um, which was a really, you know, I kicked myself for that because I just could not get somebody to cover the show. Um, and you know, that I, 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 it's one of those unsaid things that you know strains a relationship that we've had for a, a long, long time. Yeah. But we're we're all good. We're cool, and I I talk to him every once in a while. But honestly, not not too many people. Hmm. Uh, I tried chatting up Steve DeSantis a while ago, and that kind of just kind of fell away. And you know, it's hard because I went to Millersville. I think I was the only one from our class that went there. Hmm. Uh, so I was away from from Wasahekan people for four years, and then. Uh, just because of the nature of the work and how far away I was getting back for reunions, wasn't a thing or, you know, coming back for alumni night or whatever those things are. Yeah. Not really a thing. Uh, I've stopped by the school a couple of times to uh, say hi to people, but now yeah. with like, you know, school security and restrictions, you need like a birth certificate and like hand over your firstborn child. And, right, right. Right. You know, put Blood your, sample. Morga- <laughs> yeah, put your mortgage on the table for collateral, it's, it's insane. Last four
0: digits so of your social.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, that's harder to do. And now since a lot of the people that were there when we were there have started to retire, mm-hmm. there's, there's not really a good point. I mean, seeing Mr. Hood would be great. And I've stopped by the band room a couple times. Yeah. Um, and I, I've talked to Mike Hood a while for a bit and I've talked to John Conahan a couple times, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. It's great to be connected to those guys. Yeah. Um, and my brother's still friends, like Earl Payne. I've talked to him a couple times. Um, but as far as the class goes, now I've been kind of mute. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Do you miss it at all? You know, there are people that I miss. Um, but honestly, one of the nice things about Millersville was there was no one from Wissahickon there <laughs> that I knew. Uh,
0: what's your What's your life like now? You know, so you're Dutch apple. It sounds like you're working a whole lot. Girlfriend. Yep. I mean, outside of the this COVID stuff, but in general, happy, feeling good. Yeah.
1: I mean, before this COVID thing
0: hit, I mean,
1: things were going great. Like I said, we had a, we had two national tours going around the country. Uh, I had actually, when COVID hit, I had just gotten back two weeks earlier from uh, Washington state where we were, right. you were, we're just traveling Chicago. Um, I'm actually amazed. I didn't catch it because I, I swear it was going before it was going. Um, and, you know, the shows were going great, and all of a sudden, just hammer came down. Boom, we got to stop, you know, canceled all. Um, I actually brought all my studio equipment from my office. Uh, the theater has like a separate building that has uh, our offices and a rehearsal studio and everything. So I got my keyboard and my computers and all that stuff so I could keep doing tracks and working from home. Mm. I brought that all to my girlfriend's house because I was like, we can't be going back and forth between each other's houses right. for this. Not safe. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I came over to her house, and we've been living together this you know, this whole time. So nice little test drive for home living.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I don't know. Is that, we've, we've been talking a good amount. Is there, is there anything you wanted to to talk about or I, you know, bring it's up so, or? It's so funny. Cause like,
1: I, I saw this thing when you did the one with Mike Clyburn. Yeah. Like thank God you did this with Mike Clyburn because I don't think I would have known about it for ages <laughs> uh, because we were not friends. Like, this title was perfect because we were not friends at all. Right. Like, I, 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 and I feel bad saying this to you, but I don't remember a conversation we ever had.
0: No. I, <laughs> if I'm being honest, I feel like I probably like picked, I was probably one of the kids that picked on you. Uh, Probably nothing horrible, but I could imagine myself like seeing like, like the same way that I had stuff with Mike. Yeah. Um, I could see myself picking on like smaller JP. GP, yeah. uh, you know, back in the 90s. Well, I don't hold it against you. Thank you. <laughs> that's, uh, that's like the extent of anything I could imagine really with you. Yeah. Um, other than the fact that, you know, we, we had chorus and band next to each other in school. Well, but
1: I was in chorus senior year. Okay. Against my – I wish I would have done it a lot more because it would have helped me a lot. But – and I don't really remember that many people from chorus – senior year where you you were in chorus right yeah yeah with Conahan. yeah, yeah. See, I, like I don't even don't remember. remember talking to you <laughs> it's like well I was probably running to band class right after chorus class yeah so. yeah
0: and there's a few there were a few periods right of course yeah. it was it was. Yeah. I, I can't remember what period I had but um I feel like I had class with like I feel like the chorus classes were like 40 kids in each class because it was yeah. all the it was all grades combined yeah course right yeah um so it could have been any any class, maybe we just but, didn't have
1: the same class
0: yeah that's my bet that's my huh. bad. I remember singing Rent at graduation.
1: Oh that, wow. That was our that was our song. And I had to sing one of the solos. Rent and I was, was petrified. Huge. Yeah.
0: Rent Rent was like on that on that boom when we were like seniors. And I remember going to New York to see it. Yeah. I see Rent with I think Conahan and and other classmates. Did you go on that trip?
1: I didn't go on that trip.
0: The only musical we saw I remember
1: what did we go see? I think with AP English, we went and saw something. Okay. I forget what though.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have no crazy memories of you. Um, no specific interactions really. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me that's a good day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, do you remember the day that the, so the chorus room, right? was like, like half level down from everything. Yeah, It was like sunken. And it had the, the sewer pipes on the wall. Because, you know, what better place to put high school students than in close proximity to a sewer pipe? But well, soundproofing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the one day we got there and the sewer pipe had exploded because somebody had moved a riser or something and bumped the sewer pipe and cracked it. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, that, God, what a stench.
0: That room had such problems. And, and, oh, God, yeah. There was a period of time over, like, I want to say maybe like 11th grade, 10th grade, when we all had to do chorus in the band room.
1: I remember that.
0: Yeah. And uh, I think you guys had to go into like the the auditorium instead. Yeah. um, Because it was, that room was just closed off. It could have been from that.
1: I think that might've been from that.
0: Yeah. Because I mean, that had to go through like a deep clean. It was just straight up sewage filled. And I remember the band room kind of smelling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Being thankful that you have, you guys had those big windows or those big doors, the big the big uh, loading doors yeah, to the uh, on the outside to the outside, so we could open that up and get some air because those were tough days.
1: Yeah. Oh, uh, you know those days were great. I remember what was it? Two dollars and fifty cents, right, to go down to the uh, cafeteria and grab yourself a slice of Domino's pizza and a thing of boardwalk fries and a soda. That was your lunch. And wow. Break-
0: was that two fifty?
1: Yeah. Something like that. Jeez. And then we could walk back to the, you, we could eat in the chorus room. We could eat in the band room. That's all we did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We would all,
1: we would all hang out in the hallway too, right? Like mm-hmm. before homeroom. Yes. Yeah, sit against sitting the door. The, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did figure out that if you jiggle the band room handle, I I hope to God they fix this by now. If you jiggle the band room handle, the, the in, cause you know, it was like those locking synchronized, synchronized door handles or whatever. Right. Right. So if you tap the outside one, the inside one would like flip down and you could just walk in.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> That's
1: so yeah. great. We were masters of breaking into that place. Just wanted to, well, you know what though? It was, I, that was I, your sanctuary. That's where you went.
0: Yeah. Clyburn said that. And I, I definitely felt that with, with chorus that it was, it was a safe space to the point where I used to use Conahan's signature to come late to, to homeroom. <laughs> <laughs> I, used, I used to say that I was hanging out in chorus, even though I wasn't, I was sleeping in bed. And uh, I'd come in and give Mr. Gottlieb my uh, Gottlieb, huh? yeah, my my hall pass book. <laughs> and uh, I would just put Conan's signature because I knew he. Well, I didn't know. I felt like he would probably be not mad.
1: Right, we're all hall passes in our agenda, right? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I would always lose that damn thing. I hated the agenda so oh, much. Oh yeah, it
0: was terrible. Yeah, that thick, thick book <laughs> it, in, it, in the back were.
1: Yeah. And it had like the front cover was like that that weird thing where like you moved it a certain way and the Hologram. picture changed. Yeah. <laughs> it's
0: just... God, I haven't. That's weird that I said that because I haven't thought about that book or the fact that that's what we were till right now. And I just yeah. pulled that out of nowhere. <laughs> like, oh, those things were
1: horrible. I hated those. I. They give you like one free replacement, and then if you had if you needed another replacement, you cost it costs <laughs> something. But you had to have
0: one because it had the damn hall passes in it. Right. Right. You had to have a hall, an official hall pass book. <coughs> no counterfeit. Oh, nightmare. Um, you never got in trouble or anything like that, right, in school? I did get in trouble once in middle school.
1: Oh, really? Um, oh, yeah. Uh, I, I have no idea with who at this point. But uh, somebody – we were at those uh, – in the cafeteria, those tables that had like, those circular seats or whatever. And the kid sitting across from me pushed me and I like rocked back a little bit. So I stood up and pushed him and he fell off his chair, I guess, cause he wasn't expecting it hit his head. Well, of oh. course I got in trouble. And they put me in ISS for lunch for a week.
0: You did ISS.
1: I did ISS just for lunch, Okay, just for lunch. But it was, Oh God, that was the scariest thing I think I've ever done.
0: Um, someone else talked about, I think it was Ryan Dunn talked about ISS. Uh, and he had, he he didn't like it either uh in the he didn't like it in iss and i always said like i think it was the most fucked up thing <laughs> <laughs> let's gather the bad kids let's put them in this building in this classroom where yeah. they will learn nothing they're not allowed to talk for eight hours like it sounds torturous yeah you just have well, to sit in this chair all day
1: for me it was like going into a lion's den I would just come in there with my little brown bag lunch and sit there as quietly as I could in the corner and eat my lunch and get out of there.
0: Mm -hmm. Did you learn your lesson?
1: Uh, Yeah. I learned never to get caught. (laughs)
0: That's the prison system in a nutshell (laughs) nutshell, right there. Oh God. Well, this has been fun. I really, uh, boy, I'm telling you, it really hit me like literally in this last, 30 minutes that you can't sign the yearbook. Um,
1: well, once this all gets lifted, I'll stop by. And we'll yeah, do you'll like have to a... come
0: by, but best I can do for you there, JP, is... Oh, my
1: Lord. Oh, burn that picture. <laughs> See, th- this is why I got picked on. I mean, look at that. You know that was... Uh... They took that right after gym class. Look at my hair.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that looks good. My hair was a mess. Looks good. It's, it, looks, uh, it looks time appropriate. You're... Uh you're one of the ones that the, t- the time doesn't look like it passed by where you just go, what is that haircut or anything? So,
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, I kept my hair pretty much the same until it started going away. And now it's, it's like buzz cuts the way to be.
0: I'm holding on as long as I can, brother.
1: Yeah. I hear you. I started growing it down here cause I stopped growing it up here.
0: <laughs> yep. 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 It, uh, it helps fill <laughs> out the whole face.
1: <laughs> yeah, indeed.
0: Um, all right, man. Well, this is, uh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for, for hopping on. You're the very first zoom. So, yeah. Uh, you helped uh, ease some jitters that I had.
1: Oh man, it works great. Yeah, it's, it's great. awesome. And it's been great. awesome talking to you and seeing you. It's it's great to talk about old times again. Uh, maybe I'll go ahead and start reaching out to some friends from Wissahickon and see if uh,
0: anyone remembers who the hell I even am. Oh, dude, people remember you. I I dropped your name to to somebody recently, and uh, I think it was Susie Mullet. Uh, ah, Susie, the Mullet sisters. Yeah, and she's like, she was. I think she's the only person I told. I said, I'm supposed to talk to JP. Uh, and she's like, I love JP. So people remember you. Oh, that's
1: good. I'm glad people remember me in a positive light.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, thanks man. Oh wait, give a, give a little plug for that. If uh, if (laughs) anyone wants to check you out, you know, this will come out in May, but if anyone wants to check you out, how do they check out your live? All right. So
1: if, if you're still around and we're still quarantined in mid May, whenever this comes out, I'm doing a live thing at nine. It's just on my Facebook page. So just, you know, sometimes I have like a warning. Sometimes it just, so if you're around at 9 PM on the Eastern coast, man,
0: just come say hi. Awesome. I'll have to, yeah. uh, I'll have to start sharing it too. Yeah.
1: Oh, make sure when you post this, you post my name, right? M-E-Y-E-R.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, as I look through here and, and I, and I, I look at you in the yearbook next to look for you next to Tui Meyer. I see you're not there. So yeah. Yep, I got you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, man. dude.
0: Take care. I'll uh, I'll see you soon and reach out anytime you want to chat. I'm down to I'm down to zoom anytime and hang out. Yeah,
1: absolutely. This has been a blast. I'm yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot of free. So awesome. <laughs> All, <laughs> All right. right I'll talk to care. you soon. See you. Yep. Bye. Bye.
0: All right. That was my conversation with JP Meyer. Um, had a great time talking musicals. I haven't had a chance to really like talk about musicals like that. I didn't realize JP was into theater uh, as much as he was and certainly didn't know exactly what the Dutch apple was and, and what he was doing there. So, um, I learned a lot. And, uh, one correction is that we called, uh, we called that John Cage piece, uh, that we were talking about that we'd done in a concert, uh, 422. I think it's actually called 433. Uh, and so just a little correction on that. And uh, I haven't asked JP this, but I'm willing to bet the second Kim that I couldn't figure out was Kim Twist. It came to me when listening back to the show. I didn't want to end this without giving one more guess. You know I love the name game. And you can check out JP's nighttime chats on his Facebook page, JP Meyer, M-E-Y-E-R. In two weeks, my guest will be Kelly Rosario, a.k.a. Kelly Brailsford. Kelly is someone that I think I was a little bit intimidated by. Um, because she was so sharp and so fast and comical, and we had a similar sense of humor. We loved to crack on each other, Um, but Kelly had a little bit more guts than I did, I think, as far as how far she was willing to go, and we talk about that a little bit. It was a really enjoyable conversation in that almost immediately, we had a connection as far as our memories, and I've mentioned it with Alea, as far as um, the crew of, of kids that I hung out with in school that happened to be black, was really my only connection to black culture Uh, with people my age. And I was really surprised by Kelly's response when I told her that. So come back in two weeks and you'll get to hear um, that conversation. And it was just a lot of fun. And um, I couldn't believe that it was all over Zoom because to be honest, it really felt like we were doing it face to face. We got along that well. It was so honest. And um, I don't know. I know when we started the interview, it was daylight. And by the time it was done, uh, it was completely pitch blackout. Uh, so we'll see what happens with the video with that. But um, anyway, I hope you guys enjoy. Remember to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube now. Um, so I guess I got to get used to saying all this now. It's Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere else you listen to your podcast and YouTube.com slash Redshirt Playa. A lot more things are going to be coming up on the YouTube page. Some of it will actually be high school related. And some of it will be completely different. And I hope you guys enjoy some of that stuff. So feel free to look around on the YouTube as things continue to pop up. But I will keep feeding the We Weren't Friends in High School channel. That is for sure. Follow the Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And I am at Playa on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything, anything. I'm even on Snapchat and TikTok. But I'll be honest, I don't use them. But uh, if you like clicking stuff, click. I need clicks. Thank you. <laughs> All right. That is it for me. Uh, I will see everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning with my guest, Kelly Rosario. God, I hope I'm not screwing up the A's. It's hard with the Philly accent. All right, guys, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Later.